Thank you, Pastor Garrett. Good morning, everyone. Thanks again for joining us online in this Lord's Day. If this happened to be your first time with us, kindly notice that we are studying the gospel according to Luke. And this morning, we will continue studying the passage in chapter 6, from verse 20 to 26, which is Luke's account of uh, Jesus' words to his disciples after choosing among them 12 men that he named apostles, as we can see in verse 13 of the same chapter. So it is important for us to notice, and as Pastor Garrett also mentioned last week, as he was introducing this passage to us, that the words we will see Jesus speaking were directed not to everyone, but to his disciples, because he wants to give them a clear expectation of what was laid ahead of them. So we see here that Jesus also was motivating them for something greater. How did Jesus do that? By teaching his disciples what the true nature of happiness is. How we respond both to the triumph and tragedies in our lives, the joys and the trials, will be directly related to whether we adequately understand what the truly, what the truly good and happy and blessed life is and what isn't. The title of my message this morning is Redefining the Blessed Life. Now, take note of two words that Jesus repeats in today's passage. The first word is blessed. It means most favored or fortunate. It speaks of somebody who is the most beneficial or it is in the most beneficial condition. The other word is the word woe. It means most unfavored, oh, how dreadful. It means the person who is in the worst condition, a cursed person. The blessed are, enjo the blessed are enjoying the most beneficial condition, and the cursed are enduring the pain of the worst condition. Those are the two only places people can look at. You live on, on one or the other. You are either among the blessed or among the cursed. There is no middle ground. There is no gray area. It is completely black and white. I invite you then to open your Bible in our passage for today, and uh, you just keep it open there throughout the message. If you don't have one, you can follow the reading of the passage in your screen. Luke chapter 6 from verse 20 to verse 26. That says the word of God. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are angry now, 
for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn you, spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we bless your name for the privilege that you are giving us for us to be alive this day and for us to hear your word being preached unto us, Lord. Father, I pray that you may fill our hearts with expectation that you will talk to us and change our hearts for us to conform more to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that uh, you may give me utterance and boldness and clarity to communicate, O oh Lord, your words to your people. As pastor said, and I really believe that there is no word in me that is able to transform life. The power isn't in, in men, O oh Lord. But the power is in your word. And you say that your word will not uh, return to you void without accomplish the purpose by which it has been spoken, Lord. So accomplish your, your purposes in our lives this morning for your name's sake and for your glory. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. There is an old saying that uh, Christians can be so heavenly minded that he is of no uh, earthly good. I hope that you have heard that before. Well, this was uh, a, a, a saying that was a critique that many people think about believers as a form of escapism or wish wishful, uh, wishful thinking. But I think as uh, C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity, that a continual looking forward to eternal word is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. So my question is, how often do you think about eternity? Or better, do you think or even believe that there is uh, eternity? How does this thinking influence and impact the way you see your life today in terms of your priorities, 
things that you invest your money, you invest your energy, and you invest your time. How then about your relationships? How this thinking and belief in the eternity will influence and impact the kind, of, the kind of relationship you have right now? And what about the circumstances that we are facing? Even in the midst of this virus pandemic, there are so many things happening. How do you uh, see this situation in relation of eternity or in light of eternity? Well, I believe that many of our problems as believers are precisely because we don't think enough about eternity. We don't think and meditate long enough in it, which causes us not to view our priorities, relationships, and even circumstances in this life in the lenses or in the light of eternal things. But Conversely, in the passage that we are studying today, Jesus wants his disciples to wear on them the lenses of eternity. And he is redefining, and he redefined for them the true meaning of a blessed life. And friends, just as Christ did with his disciples then, he also wants to do with us today. We are his disciples. He wants to do that with you and me. Through his promises, Jesus wants to motivate his disciples to live their life on earth, knowing that, influenced by, and even driven inwardly by the reality that our reward in God's kingdom is great. Therefore, as we look at how Jesus does that, I hope that you and I will lift our eyes, the eyes of our hearts of faith from the earthly and temporary things to our heavenly and eternal reward in God's kingdom. And as we do that, I pray that we may learn to enjoy and be fully satisfied in Christ alone. Not only in the future, but even today. Let us find our satisfaction in Christ now and forevermore for the praise of God's glorious grace. So how then Jesus does motivate his disciples to wear on the eternal glasses or lenses. He does that by redefining for them the meaning of a blessed life. Let us see that together. My first point today is the kingdom. Verses 22 and 24. That says, sorry, verses 20 and 24. That says the word of God. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Verses 24. 
But all to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Brothers, do you see as we notice how Jesus approached this topic or his words in this passage, we will see that he is making a comparison between two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of self. How do we know that? So we can see that the first address of blessedness that Jesus does to his disciples, he says that blessed are you, his disciples, who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. But you see that it doesn't really feel right like how Jesus is presenting this to us. We raise so many questions that how someone can be blessed by being poor. So is Jesus saying that all the poor on, in the world are blessed and that the kingdom of God belongs to them? I understand your questions, brethren, because I did the same ones while preparing this message. But do you see the problem with these questions most probably lays in our understanding of what does it mean to be poor. And for most of us, we equate being poor only with having possessions or being economically destitute. But I believe that's not Jesus' point only, uh, the, a single point only in this verse. As I say to you, Jesus is comparing and contrasting two kingdoms in the life of his disciples. Brothers and sisters, as we will see later on even in the book of Luke, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he always uh, reflects on what is going inside of our heart. In chapter 17, verses 20 and uh, uh, 21, we will see that Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is with you, is in the midst of you. It's inside of you. So the agenda of the kingdom of God is always the agenda of our heart. But do you see, even when we enter the kingdom of God... As the Bible says there in Colossians 1.13, that Christ has taken us from the dominion of the kingdom of darkness and has transferred us to the dominion of kingdom of, or God has, did, has done that, and he has transferred us to the dominion of the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear in our lives that there are still a fight between the new life that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ and the flesh or the self-life. And this fight is always fought inside of us, inwardly. And this is what Jesus is trying to open our eyes for us to understand today. Being poor here or poverty here is not only about a status of not having. It's also a statue of knowing that 
what I have now, be it much or less, is not everything. There is something greater to come. And if you think like this, Jesus is saying that you are blessed. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is trying to show us that being poor is not only a matter of not having things. Jesus is trying to us, is trying to show to us that poverty is when even we have much in this world, like we see the rich people there in verse 24, or the rich man there in verse 24, referring to his disciples as well. When they trust, they put their trust only in their possessions right now in this world. Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you do that, you have your consolation. There can be a poor man without uh, material things that is also poor spiritually. What, the, what Jesus is trying to say to his disciples here is that instead of you focusing only in your not having something, you need to realize that God has given you already, because Jesus is saying there in verse 20, that yours is the kingdom of God. So the blessedness that Jesus is addressing here doesn't flow from the point of from the, the, in a sense that you are poor, then you are blessed. No, you are blessed because even in that condition of you being poor, you have the kingdom of God. And this is something that the disciples, I believe, and even us today, we have issues to understand, troubles to understand. Because if you were like me when you th think about the Christian, the Christian life, you think that it is here that we need to start our best life, as many have preached before that our best life needs to be lived in this world with many wealth, money, uh, and, and houses. That's what people before, uh, people has been preaching. And this is a false teaching over there. Jesus is saying here that even in your condition of not having something, you are blessed because the kingdom of God belongs to you. How then we can assess that for us today? We are seeing many people today losing their jobs, jobs by which they came into Abu Dhabi looking for, because many of us, we want to have a financial security in this life. Many people traveled from all around the world to Abu Dhabi, to UAE, looking for a better job. They traveled many places or from, from, from afar to this country 
looking for a better condition of life. But the question is, are you doing the same thing when you think about eternity? Are you pursuing the kingdom of God in the same way you are doing with your financial security? Brothers and sisters, and sisters, this is a reality that we need to face. Many of us, we even didn't know if we would find a church in this place. I remember one of the classes that Pastor Garrett gave to us when he arrived to uh, our church. He said that if you are going to some country and you find out that there is no any church, good church in that place, and you are offered a job in that place, it's better for you not to take that job. And for me, that was really something that he pinched in my heart. So we understand that the seeking of the kingdom of God, when we are going and we are looking for a better condition in this life, needed to be attached with the blessing of a church that God has given us. Thank God, many of us, we found a good church. But my point is, how are you seeking the kingdom of God in your life? Are you having in, in the front of your mind your financial security more than the kingdom of God? The way you can assess that is just seeing how are you investing your time, how are you investing your financial resources, and how are you also investing in your relationships. My second point this morning is in verses 21 and 25. Jesus adds two blessedness and two oaths. Verse 21, the Bible says, Blessed are you who are angry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Verses 25. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be angry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Brothers and sisters, there is one story in chapter 60 of, of the Gospel of Luke that for sure we will meditate upon, but it reflects exactly what is Jesus is talking about over here. The story over there is the story of Lazarus and the rich man. The Bible says that that rich man was enjoying his life laughing in this, uh, in this earth, and uh, he was not hungry at all. He was always full. And Lazarus was a poor man. And it happened one day that both of them, they died. And the Bible says that uh, Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man went to a place of a suffering like dreadful suffering. And this is the picture that Jesus wants us to understand when he's talking about 
those disciples of his that weep now, or that are angry now, but in future they shall be satisfied, and they shall laugh as well. But for those that they think that life is only about this earth, life is only to live for this time, they will be, they will be angry and they will weep and mourn in the future. Being angry in this situation means that you are angry for more of Christ in your life. You are not only physically angry, but you are also angry for the presence of Christ in your life. Jesus is saying, and I believe that's how we see it, very, uh, the picture of it when we uh, fast and pray. Because when we fast and pray, we are, uh, we are angry, but we are looking for more of Christ, for more of Christ's life in our lives. And when we do that, the Bible says that we are blessed. And many times or so we are weeping because of many sufferings that we, have, uh, we are facing right now in this world. But do you know, even in the, the scripture reading in this morning that uh, we, we read, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 16 to 18, the Bible says that in the midst of everything that Paul was suffering, or was going on, he said that from verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporally, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So we see here that the conditions that we are, the sufferings that we are, we are facing right now, be it in anger, be it in weeping, it cannot be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in our lives. This is the time as the children of God that we need also to weep even for those in our household that they don't understand that. We need to weep for them and say, Father, May you open the eyes of their understanding for them to understand not to pursue this life only for this earth, but for eternity to come. Parents, fathers, and mothers, let's weep for our children, for God to transform their hearts, for their hearts not to be only in the things of this world, not only in the pursuit of good education, but in the pursuit of a relationship, a personal relationship with God. Let's weep for them. 
Let's ask Jesus to transform their heart, to satisfy the deep anger of their heart, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. There is also one thing that this laughter here that we see in verse 25, when Jesus says, Woe to you that laugh now. This is something that I remember when we went to Uganda with uh, uh, ECC, our sister church in Abu Dhabi. One of the youth that, uh, in that trip, he said, Pedro, sometimes when I think about the Christian life, I feel that there will not be fun. It's not a fun life, and I want to have some fun in this life. This is what Jesus is saying here. Woe to you who laugh now, who have fun, who is committed to entertainment. For you shall mourn and weep in future. Brothers and sisters, true pleasure, true joy is found only in the presence of God. And I want to say to you, youth, that yes, in Jesus, we can have pleasure. In Jesus, we can have fullness of joy. That's what the Bible says in the book of Psalms, chapter 16 and verse 11, that, in the pre that God will show us the path of life, that in his presence, there is fullness of joy, and in the right hand, there is pleasures forevermore. And not only for this life, but also for eternity. And in this life, is even in the midst of adverse circumstances. My third and final point this morning is found in verses 22 and 23. And verses 26. The Bible, that says the word of God. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. So, or for so their fathers did to the prophets. Verse 26. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did to the false prophets. Brothers and sisters, we see that Jesus is saying that you are blessed when people hate you exclude you, when people reject you, disdain you, and when people try to, uh, to, to put your reputation down. But you need to see that only in account of the Son of Man, not because of something that you did, but because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to live our lives for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel. We see in Acts chapter 5, these that Jesus is saying here, coming true. We, when the disciples, they went before the governors, the synergio, 
and they absolutely confirm that it's better for them to uh, obey God than to obey men. And because of that, they were persecuted. We saw that the Gamaliel, one of the men in the synagogue that w- was well known, he stood up and said uh, to the synagogue, don't persecute these men. Let them go. Because if what they are doing is from Christ, you cannot hinder their work. And what the synagogue decided? They decided to whip and the, the, the disciples, and then to let them go. And the Bible says that they were rejoicing because they were found worthy to suffer for our Lord Jesus Christ. The question is, why did they do that? They did that because they knew what Jesus has promised to them. That the reward that is for them in the future is greater, is worthy for them to suffer, for them to be rejected, for them or for their name to be put in bad reputation and because of the reward that they were expecting. The Bible says here that it was done before like that to their prophet. And if we go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, from verse 24 to 26, we will see that one of the prophets that this happened was Moses. And the Bible says that Moses refused to be counted, to be found in the pleasure of Pharaoh's throne, and he chose to be counted with the Israelite, the people of God, because he was looking for the reward. Brothers and sisters, is this our attitude today as we see our lives today, as we live our lives today? Are we really seeking for the reward that Christ has for us as the disciples did, as Uh, Moses did we see here Jesus saying in verse 26 that woe to you when people speak well about you this is a very example of fame when people have your name in their mouth they are talking about you every every time You are famous because of many things that you can do in this world. But we know how the life of these famous people are. And the Bible is saying, if you are looking for fame, to be famous in this world, woe to you. Because that's the way they did with the false prophets. People were prophesying to them that the life that you live, you need to live only for now and for today. While the true prophet were expecting for the day of our Lord where they will receive the reward for their faithfulness in Christ. But how can we live then this life that Jesus is presenting here? God didn't leave us 
on our own to understand or to live this kind of life. Simply because we cannot do it on our own. It is impossible because we are sinners. And the Bible says that God has given us the gift of his incarnated son. The son of man. He is the true example of a blessed man. Who for the joy, the Bible says, that was set before him in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He endured the cross, despising the shame and the rejection of men, so that in him and through his death and resurrection, we, his disciple, mankind, will be saved from the power of sin and be blessed through faith in Jesus and genuine repentance, thus escaping the dreadful punishment in the age to come and receive the realities of the kingdom that our heavenly Father is pleased to give to, to those who are found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we will be in him throughout eternity to the praise of God's glorious grace. Brothers and sisters, this is what Jesus came to accomplish. This is the mission that Jesus is trying to accomplish in our lives. He went to cross and gave his life. The Bible says for the joy that was set before him. The joy to see again mankind reconciled back to God with peace in God. And enjoying in eternity all the blessings that God has for his children. It is through Jesus Christ, through believing in him and in his work for us in the, the, the cross of Calvary. is believing that he is again alive and resurrected from death. That we are by the grace of God empowered to, to live this blessed life. So, brothers and sisters, what is this blessed life that we need to pursue with all our hearts? A scene is described in Revelation 7 from verses 13 to 17. In verse 13, one of the elders see a group of people standing before the throne of God. And the elder asks us, who are these? And where they come from. Let's just open our Bible in that passage. Revelation chapter 7 verses 13 to 17. I'll read from verse 14. I said to him, Sir, you know? Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with, with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, 
nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to spring of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Brethren, heaven is real. So is hell. Hell is here. It is real. And God's wrath is certain for those who are found outside of Christ. If there is a time for us to weep, not only for our lives, but for our beloved, is this time. Why? Because God has promised that he shall wipe from our eyes all our tears, and we will rejoice in him. What does it mean to be blessed? It is to be found in Christ. Those from every nation and tribe, as we can see in our church, who have washed their blood in our Lord Jesus Christ. They have the promise of the kingdom of God, not only now, but also for eternity, as Jesus will give them their reward, which is assured in the work that he has accomplished for us in the cross of Calvary. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bless your name again this morning for the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray in your mercies, O Lord, that you will allow us to search our hearts and for us to come to you or to run to you in repentance, O Lord, if we are seeking our kingdom to establish our kingdom in this world instead of us seeking to do your will, to seek your kingdom, Lord. Father, I pray in your mercies, O Lord, that your grace will be at work within us, transforming our hearts and giving us the understanding of who Jesus is. Father, I pray that as your church, as New Life Church, Father, you will be merciful unto us for us to find in you our complete joy, for us to be satisfied not only in this life with our Lord Jesus Christ, but also through eternity. And even if we go through suffering, as many of us are going this time, we can know that you have given us your kingdom. You are ruling over us, O Lord. And you are a good father, and you know how to take care of us. Lord, may we trust in you and in you alone. Save the lost, Lord. Save the lost, even those in our households, O oh Lord. Father, we plead for their heart, and we plead with you, O oh Lord, before death comes, O oh Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be merciful and let your face shine upon their eyes. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray for your namesake and for the glory or for the praise 
of your glorious grace that you have, you have bestowed in us, in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all this in our Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Join with us in our song of response. <laughs>